Monday here on the DK Steelers podcast. It's the fourth victory Monday in a row. Well, kind of. You know what I'm saying here is your Pittsburgh Steelers have done it again. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles at Heinz Field 39-28. It was close until the fourth quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, I'd say even because it was a um, it it was there, there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of put back and forth. The Steelers looked like they were asserting control in the third quarter, and then Carson Wentz went ballistic. But the Steelers answered right back. The offense did the doggone thing, looking prolific in this one. So of course we got to start our first segment out here giving out game balls and the first game ball without a doubt. There's no questions about it. You know it. I know it. The guy it goes to is Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool finishes this game with seven catches on 11 targets for 110 receiving yards and three touchdown receptions and a a touchdown on the ground with three carries for six yards. Holy crap, this guy, the rookie, just had four touchdowns in a single game. What just happened? I don't even know. I do know. I watched the tape. But this blows everything out of the water that we could have expected. Because we heard all the hype in training camp. But we've heard hype for years about people. Every year we hear, oh, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be great. And Chase Claypool was fitting that bill. And this was the one training camp where, a, where most of the media couldn't see it. And, could, and those that could, couldn't report it. They could say what was in the pool report, but they couldn't. Like, you know, go out there and say, you know what, I watched this, I saw this, because it wasn't open. And now the world is starting to find out, this dude is for real. Joe Hayden called this from day one. He said, that dude's going to be a problem. And on Sunday, Chase Claypool was a problem. Whether it was down the sideline, up the middle, they couldn't cover him. Heck, they tried to slap Darius Slay on him, and he couldn't cuff him. Chase Claypool had himself a day. Four touchdowns, a Steelers rookie record for a skill position player, I believe. My goodness, everything that he did right in this game. I didn't think he'd be the one getting this. I thought it would be Eric Ebron. Ebron finished with five catches on six targets for 43 yards. Also had a fumble that I thought was more of an incomplete pass, but whatever. Um, We'll get into all that stuff later. But... And honestly, don't forget, Claypool could have had five touchdowns with the way that he, with the way that on the one catch that he had down the sideline, he doesn't push off at all. I, I still don't see what they're calling there. We'll get to that later. But Claypool had himself a day, and he gets the game ball. Game ball number two has to go to Ben Roethlisberger, who continues to be a model of efficiency. Say what we want about Randy Feekner. But he's got Ben playing efficient with the football. 27 completions on 34 attempts, 239 yards, which isn't a lot, but three touchdown passes. That means he has 10 touchdown passes and one interception through four games. That's on pace for, I mean, simply, that's simple math right there because four games is one quarter of the season. That puts him on pace for 40 touchdowns and four interceptions on the year. Not that he's actually going to get that. Maybe he will. You know you know how the pace jokes always work. But the point is, Ben Roethlisberger 
is on fire and not on fire in the ways that he used to be. Ben used to be on fire because he's just hitting his guy. He, like he would just be connecting with Antonio or connecting with San Antonio or connecting with Hines. He's connecting with everybody. The Steelers have had a, a, a different leading receiver in every single game this year. He is spreading the ball around. This game, it was Claypool. Who knows? Next week, it could be Juju Smith-Schuster. Week after that, could be Deontay Johnson if he gets healthy again. Then maybe it's Ebron. Who knows? And I think that's the point here of the offense. More about that later. But Ben Roethlisberger, being efficient, distributing the football, getting it around. That's the kind of stuff that we were hoping to see from him and that we are seeing from him. And it's a huge reason why the Steelers are 4-0 through four games. Game ball number two, Stephon Tuitt. Now, hold on, all you Steven Nelson people. We're going to get to that in the second segment. Because Nelson, yes, finished with the second most tackles of the game. Two interceptions. Uh, one interception was very good. The other interception was a deep ball that you know he just grabbed because, because he could. But uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, we'll get again. We'll get into why Nelson didn't get a game ball in the second segment. But Stephon Tuit, five tackles, one and a half sacks, and one of those sacks was completely huge. Stopped the Eagles in their fourth quarter drive, pushed them back out of field goal range. They had to try. They tried a fifty-seven year goal, yes, fifty-seven, fifty-seven yard field goal with Jake Elliott, who's a very good kicker, and he missed it. Without that sack, they probably they might they might make that field goal and the pressure's put on the Steelers offense to go out there and score. And then this is a one possession game, even if the Steelers offense does score in that drive, because they did score on the ensuing drive. But I give Stephon to it. He was the pass rush guy that got home the most for the Steelers. Mike Hilton got got another sack on the season. I believe that's three for him. Cam Hayward got another sack on the season. T.J. Watt got another sack on the season. Bud Dupree split a half with with Tuit. So shout out to those guys getting the game balls and carrying the team to a big win. Now we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. I know that you're concerned about the secondary. I'll get into that right after this. on the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and let's talk about the defense. We can talk about Claypool. Everyone's going to talk about Claypool and how amazing his day was and breaking those things down. That's easy. What's not easy is going over what's going wrong in the secondary. And I'm, I'm debating on writing about this for Classroom this week. That'll be up Tuesday, so tomorrow. But... I look at the problems in the secondary, and people are are screaming for answers. Is it Devin Bush? Is it Terrell Edmonds? Is it Minka Fitzpatrick? Is it this? Is it Keith Butler? Why why did the Steelers give up so many yards in this game through the air? Total, Wentz finished 20 of 35 for 258 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Um, 
And I believe the Eagles finished 10 of 14 on third downs for 71%. 10 of 15 when you consider they failed on fourth down once. And they were perfect in the red zone. That's alarming. Because when you're able to get 71% of the steep, you want that you want that down under 50% when you're being when you want to be a great defense. And this is supposed to be a great defense this year. They were a great defense last year. But Wentz was whipping the ball. He was putting it where he wanted to. And when I looked over the film and I was breaking down play by play by play, it wasn't necessarily the schematics most of the time. There were a couple breakdowns. There were a couple like, oh, that should have that should have been there. But it was just cornerbacks getting flat out beat. Now, this is this is this is a yellow flag. I would not say this is a red flag situation. This is a yellow flag situation because some of it just seems like, hey, tighten up here. Maybe adjust your technique there. These might be things that could be correctable, could be chemistry things. I, I know, and I'm gonna get to that more later in a bit. But so many of the plays that the Eagles were able to make were corner routes outside. Uh, a drag here that got open. One of the first first downs they converted was a hook pattern to Fulgham, who went ballistic in this game. Um, and Fulgham came, came off the practice squad a week ago and helped them beat the, the Niners. He almost helped them beat the Steelers on Sunday. But there, the first play... They call a hook play to Fulgham, and the Steelers are disguising between Nelson and Edmonds. Who's going to, you know, one of these guys is in zone, or both of these guys are in zone, but who's going short, who's going deep. And Edmonds tried to jump the route. Edmonds gets blocked while the ball is in the air. That should have been offensive pass interference. That was one thing. But throughout the game, and not the whole game for some guys, but just Wentz kept finding where his, where his mismatch was. Where or where, where wherever he was getting a good a good matchup for himself, and he made several very good throws. Stephen Nelson was getting beat on some corner routes. Mike Hilton got beat on a deep crosser. Uh, Mike Hilton got, got got beaten twice on on, on those type of plays. Um, the the last touchdown they threw. I saw a lot of people trying to blame Mika Fitzpatrick. It wasn't Mika Fitzpatrick. It was Steven Nelson. And simply because I looked at this play from multiple angles, and the Steelers are running what's called a robber concept. Now, robber is when you have every man who's an eligible receiver covered in man coverage, but you have one guy playing zone in the middle of the field. And his job is to just see where the quarterback's going with the ball, and jump it, and to, and when you expect certain combinations or certain passing concepts, you have to work through that progression there. And on that touchdown, the first thing you see is Zach Ertz coming across the back of the end zone. Minka follows him so that if Wentz wants to go to Zach Ertz, who was his top target last year, and who is the person that you have to come into this game planning to take away. They didn't have Alshon Jeffrey. They didn't have Deshaun Jackson. They needed to take away Zach Ertz, and they did for the most part. He finished the game with... One catch on six targets for six yards. That's it. No touchdowns, nothing. They, they did their job there. But what happens is, on that touchdown to Fulgham, in, in, late, in the, uh, in late in the point, it was Fulgham's only touchdown, even though he finished with 10 catches for 152 yards. What happens there is, Nelson loses him. 
he run Fulgham runs a drag route underneath Zach's deeper in route. And in doing that, Fitzpatrick has to take away Ertz and then can jump to Fulgham. But Fulgham, instead of running the drag, he stops, plants himself, and just does jumping jacks in the end zone because he realizes Nelson didn't follow me. Carson, I'm wide open. And that's all Carson had to do. That's not on Minka. That's not on Butler. That's on Nelson. He needs to be able to adjust to that. Now, I think that this is the, this is this is where I see the potential for serious improvement because the Steelers their passing off of coverages or of passing off of coverage assignments and receivers isn't fluid yet. It takes time to get there. Sometimes it te- sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's just you practiced enough with each other. And this year was a year again with a lot of snaps missed, so that chemistry might still be coming at some point. But I remember in 2017 when they when they got shredded by Patrick Mahomes. And uh, or I'm sorry, that was 2018. In, in 2018, when they got shredded by Patrick Mahomes early in the season. And the secondary looked completely lost. And then later they came up against, and, and there were several passing concepts where they just weren't jumping on anything. Like, you know, there were certain plays where it was pick plays or certain plays like that passing concept where I was just talking about where you have double crossers. You have one guy going a deep in and another guy going underneath that deep in with the uh, with the drag route. And that's where Fulgham got his touchdown. When you get that, there's ways to pass that off properly. And they aren't doing those yet. Some of that is by design and just good offensive drawing up. And some of it is, hey you got to stick to the game plan. Like in that play, Nelson's job is to run with Fulgham, press him across the field. Because then if Fulgham's being trailed like that, then he can't afford to stop the way he did. And then Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't have to, you know, isn't, you know, he can play the ball. But Minka never had a chance to play the ball because Nelson never pushed him to the middle of the field. That's part of what's not happening. Is that I'm seeing the cornerbacks here and there, just not doing enough in certain spots. And again, part of this was Carson Wentz had his best game of the season. He threw some really on-point, down-the-ball passes. Another thing was, the pass rush wasn't getting home early. T.J. Watt acknowledged it. He said they were doing certain things to, to stop the Steelers' pass rush. Some of those things were holding. But, ultimately... It was, uh, you know, that the Steelers' pass rush needed to get home somehow, and they, they again. That's why I gave two of the game ball was because he came, home, he got home in that point in that situation. But the biggest thing to take away here about what's going wrong with the secondary, it's not that they're incapable, it's not that it'll never get together, but this is a chemistry thing that's going on right now. The plays are drawn up for success. Sometimes. You can drop whatever you want. If a, there's no defense for a for a perfect throw, that is rule number. That that is one of the oldest sayings in football. There's no defense for a perfect throw. You can be in play in the right place, double teamed, and if they throw the perfect ball, you can't touch it. And there's a lot more of that in today's NFL because of the advantages the offense gets. But I think some of this is going to be the Steelers' defensive backs working more critically throughout their weeks, which they'll now get a lot of chances to because they have no more bye weeks, but working more critically and 
identifying, hey, this is where I'm getting beat in these combinations when we see these concepts and what people are trying to exploit with us. This is how we counteract that. And again, with the back in 2018, the Steelers are playing the Chiefs. They're getting slaughtered. There was a passing concept where one they would uh, the Chiefs just kept lining up a receiver behind another receiver, and the receiver in front would run off hit uh, uh, the cornerback, and then the receiver behind him would run underneath him, and the Steelers couldn't jump on it. And Patrick Mahomes was just ding 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 ding, kept hitting that note. Well, the Falcons came up and tried the same concept just a week or two later. And what happened? The Steelers still in man coverage in that situation. Because the whole point is that, you know, with the with the they wanna they wanna make it so that the person who's covering the, the receiver that's that's behind the first guy is basically blocked by the first receiver who's running out. So there's the whole the whole point of the first receiver is just to get in the in the guy's way when it's in man coverage. So what happened? When the Steelers saw those route combinations, they switched. Mike Hilton would take uh uh, would, would, would take uh, Joe Hayden's guy and Joe Hayden would take my, you know, my, uh, uh, Mike Hilton's guy. And that switch helped them, help, helped, helped shut those type of plays down. It's things like that where last year you saw more chemistry. And it's just, it's just, I think it just comes with, with the practicing and where the team is, you know, uh, and even with Mika Fitzpatrick, when he came in the middle of the season, the pick six, and this is a perfect example of, um, of of how the defense was supposed to work in the on the touchdown that Fulgham, Fulgham got. You remember the pick six that Minka had against the Colts, where the tight end um, gets inside leverage on Hayden. He breaks to the end zone. Hayden do- jumps through the air when the ball's out, just misses it with his fingertip, and he but and by doing it, he was right behind the tight end and he pushed him to the middle of the field, but he missed the ball and he thought that he gave up a touchdown. But when he, by doing what he did, even though he didn't touch the ball, he pushed his man to the middle of the field, and that's where Minka came in, picked the pass off, and took it back for a hundred or so yards or whatever. And that's not happening for Minka right now. He's been targeted, what, 10, 11 times this year, total through four games. And they haven't scored a touchdown on him yet. And a lot of those targets are just underneath routes that he just comes up on because someone else wasn't wasn't there or the or the concept was just perfect for what the Steelers zone was in at the time. Those things happen. But what's going on with the with the secondary is more about chemistry and more about timing and things that are correctable and adjustable. And the Steelers have the veterans to do that. We just have to see when that will take place, if that will take place. I think it will, but let's see how they continue to develop this this, this year. We're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, it's Don't Get Me Started, and I got a fun one for you guys because a lot of you Steelers fans, you're beating your chest out there. You should. I'll tell you more after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started with the people still trying to downplay the Steelers being 4-0. This is Don't Get Me Started, the rant segment for Chris Carter here on the DK Steelers podcast. Can you believe this? The Steelers 
are 4-0. and Yes, they haven't played perfectly. Yes, they haven't played clean football. But they're undefeated for the first time since 1979. I don't care who they've played. They've been missing key players. In this game, they were missing Alan, uh, Alan I almost called him Alan Fanica. David DeCastro, who missed what, what most of the game. Marquise Pouncey, the, their, their, their two best linemen, the two anchor linemen of the offensive line, were out, and they still moved the ball on these guys. Deontay Johnson, who was supposed to be the team's number one receiver coming back, was out for the game. And they still find, find a way to win. And even with some horrific calls, including a touchdown drive that was aided by a bogus penalty on Joe Hayden, and a touchdown that was wiped off the board a bogus uh, on a bogus offensive pass interference on Chase Claypool. That's a 14-point swing right there. I look at those situations and I'm like, the Steelers in those situations, they still win this game by multiple possessions. That's the crazy part. They still won that won that game by the Eagles would have needed a touchdown and a field goal to win. But the Steelers are finding ways to win and finding different ways to win. And that's what good teams do. Yes, great teams find, uh, great teams put, put bad teams away. But the Steelers have done that. They figured it out. They figured it out each time when, they, when the challenge has been, has been in their face and they've needed to come up with a different way to win. And you look at it, it's different ways. The defense closing out the Giants. The defense closing out the Texans. The offense putting up points in this game. And again, each time, it's someone else. Ben Roethlisberger being efficient with the football, not turning the ball over. Ten touchdowns, one interception. Looking all over the, the field, different guys. This time it was Chase Claypool. Who knows, maybe next week it'll be Ray Ray McLeod. Because Ray Ray McLeod was coming for them. Two carries, 63 yards, three catches for, uh, three catches for 12 yards. That wasn't a whole lot, but... Ben said they're working him to be part, more part of the offense. James Conner, 15 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown. Decent job, especially considering the uh, the offensive line was shredded with injuries this week. But they found a way to win. And people are trying to knock it. I see people out here tweeting like, oh, they'll never beat the Ravens like that. Who cares? The Ravens lost to their only game to the Chiefs, who, you know, are the reigning Super Bowl champs. But guess what? The Chiefs just lost to the Raiders and Derek Carr. You know who the Chiefs almost lost to? The Chargers and Justin Herbert in his first ever NFL start. I guarantee you if the Steelers were in that were in that situation, they had lost to the to the Chargers. Or if they had almost lost to the Chargers, everyone would be saying, oh, they should have beat that team. They didn't put that team away. But no, no, no one's saying about the Chiefs. Would you rather who would you rather be right now? Would you rather be the Steelers with their with their 4-0 wins? Or would you rather be the Chiefs who are 4 1? Suffered their first loss. Now I'm not saying exchange the rosters. I'm simply exchange exchange the game results. Would you rather be this where the Steelers are or where the Chiefs are? And you'd rather be where the Steelers are, of course, because they're undefeated still. They're getting the job done where they have to get the job done. And who cares what these scores are and how these, these games end up early on? Do you remember some of the rough games that they played in 2008 and 2005, the last two times this, this team has won a Super Bowl? 2008, week two, the Steelers barely escaped the Cleveland Browns. And I say barely escaped the Cleveland Browns. They 
It was 10 to 6. Everyone was wondering, oh, it's it's a problem. And then shortly after that, they get smoked by the Eagles where they can't block a soul. And the Eagles just, like, devour them alive. And everyone's thinking, wow, the Ravens are going to crush them. They got Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs. They're going to, you know, Bart Scott, they're going to crush them. The, 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 the 2005 Steelers, how many times did they say that people say that they were done? When they went 7-5 and five after their loss to the, the Bengals, everyone's like, they're finished. They have to win out. They're not going to do that. Right now, the whole point is get the win, get the wins that you can get early on, and then when, and then if you can get hot in in the later part of the season, and when you're hot, you're on your you're you're in position to make the playoffs and carry that hotness into the playoffs. That's when you that's when you want to be playing your best football. But the bottom line is they're not playing their best football, and they're four and zero, people. What are we doing here? What? Are we doing here with the takes of oh they're not gonna they're not gonna they're, you know, they're not gonna beat this team they're not gonna be that team you don't know what they're not gonna be the Ravens did their job they handled the you know the, the Bengals on Sunday but who's to say they're they're not gonna mess something something else up down the road it just drives me nuts when people are trying to find ways to, to to be worry words about something. You know what? The Steelers are undefeated. They got their they're getting the job done now. Yes, there's things we need to clean up and that's where we could talk about football. Like I said with the secondary in this whole last segment. But just simply saying, "Oh, they're they're, they're not going to do nothing." You don't know what they're going to do. Because we've seen this secondary with less talent get better in a season. 2017 was one of them. They they were closing around now part of it also when Ryan Chazier went down, everything went to hell. 2018 was another one. They were getting shredded early in the year, and then later in the year, they were able to beat Tom Brady with Joe Hayden getting a crucial interception. Come on, people. Work with me here. This is this this, this group is getting better. And the thing is, is that if I'm a if I'm watching this team on tape. On defense, I'm still I'm attacking their cornerbacks. I'm gonna say, hey, I'm gonna challenge these guys to get better. But the thing is, we've seen Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. They're tough guys. They rebound for bad games. They've done that before for the Steelers. I think they can do that this year. And if they do, then you're gonna have some problems. Because then you're gonna have to start targeting Minka Fitzpatrick more. And not in situations where he's just coming up because he's the deep safety and you threw 10 yards underneath him and he's the only guy there because you just had the right zone play lined up, which is the majority of the plays where he's where Minka Fitzpatrick's quote-unquote targeted. This defense has a lot of talent on it. They just need to coalesce. The offense is finding every which way to get the job done right now. And that should be the really exciting part here because while the defense is struggling, the offense is picking up the slack, which we never saw last year and which we were all worried about would even happen this year if this defense didn't put it together. And guess what? Ben's doing it. He's being the leader that he said he was going to be this year when he said, I was. I spent the whole season on the, on the sideline. I was... You know, I you know I, I was seeing where I could be a better person, a better quarterback, a better leader, and he's doing that, and he's distributing the ball around. You don't know if it's going to Chase Claypool or Juju or James Washington or Eric Ebron or, or Vance McDonald or Deontay Johnson or James Conner. He's 
moving the ball around. He's forcing you to think. And some and another thing people said, people tried. I remember people saying, oh, Matt Canada is not going to have any influence in this offense. We're seeing a lot of jet sweeps. That's one play that Ray Ray McLeod had. We're seeing more plays that look kind of, you know, motiony and, and trickery and beat you beat you horizontally, which, to, to be fair, Randy Feekner did add a lot more horizontal attacks to the 2018 Steelers offense, which was the best red zone offense in the NFL that year, the only time in since we started measuring red zone offense success in the in the in the NFL is the only time in that in that in that era that the Steelers have been number one in red zone offense. And that was under Randy Feekner. They're they're figuring stuff out, y'all. Yes, I think that people, everyone would love a laugher. I think everyone would love to, to blow teams away. And I thought that, they, that this could be the one. I thought this could have been the laugher if the defense would have been there. But hey, the defense, the secondary ain't there yet. They're still coalescing. They're still figuring things out and developing that chemistry for this season and getting it back because, you know, again, no preseason, less practices, all that challenges. They're, 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 they're rising to them. But right now, the fact that the Steelers are finding all these different ways to win is a good sign that when push comes to shove later in the season, they're going to have the experience to say, hey, we've been here before. When we could, when you sat in the game and you said, why isn't this working? And you said, I don't care why it's not working. Let's make this work this next play. Because they're doing that right now. So, so, so stay in there, Steelers fans. Don't pay attention to the people who are saying, what about next week? What about 12 weeks from now? What about the... Worry about right now. Worry about, hey, you know what? The offense is doing this right. Chase Claypool, he's got to be offensive player of the week. Maybe he's on pace to be rookie of the offensive rookie of the year. And the defense needs to get a little bit sharper. But right now, they're getting ready to play the Browns at home, where the Browns have only won once at Heinz Field in their entire existence. There are 13 Whippeal teams with more wins at Heinz Field than them. Worry about that one step at a time. But y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us five stars. Leave a positive review. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are hosted. Thanks to everyone who's been listening, who's been checking us out. We've got DK's Daily Shot for this week. We've got the DK Pirates Pod. Noah's No Doubters over the weekend dropped again. He uh, he got he gave you some betting advice. Be sure to tune into that this weekend uh, to get you ready. We did the Happy Hour Show on Friday. Morning Java's up. We got Dale and Dayon from the stadium. So lots of great stuff there. Got a lot of great stuff for you on this channel. I'll be back in your ears tomorrow with the Tuesday episode with Dale Lolly back on it from the DK Steelers podcast.